When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. I'm Lindsay. That's all. That's Gerald. That's Espo. Gentlemen, how are you feeling today? Do you get a good night's sleep? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm feeling fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm feeling good. And and you know, last night and you, Lindsay, kind of inspired me. I know you're very, you're very much. You know, you believe in supporting things beyond what we do here and supporting places like Ryan House. So I kind of looked inward and said, I need to find something like that to support myself, to be a little bit more beyond myself. So Eric, can, uh, can you run that? Every hour, an NBA referee abuses their power, but it's not their fault. They suffer alone and are terrified in their darkness, waiting for somebody to help. That's where the Redefine Eyesight Foundation, REF, comes in. Hi, I'm Greg Esposito, host of PHNX Suns and International Glasses Superstar. Please help one of these innocent refs. Oh, <laughs> download the other version and let's play it again, Eric. Come oh on. Oh, my goodness. Man. How let, disappointing. You know, as the producer, you're supposed to watch those things before we go live, right? Oh, no. It, he wasn't on the computer until. <laughs> Our live because it's not working on my end. Mm. It takes a little bit. Um, there you go. We're live right now. Oh, okay. I think what happened was I tried to. Put it in preview mode. Yeah. Also, gotcha. uh, Lindsay didn't, can, didn't doesn't know that minute delay on the stream I versus real life. It was a minute. <laughs> Let's try this again, <laughs> Lindsay. I was inspired by your work oh with Ryan God. House, and I decided I wanted to look internally. Wait, the are whole they spiel ready? All over again. <laughs> are you sure he's even we ready? The spiel. You don't have to do it all I, over I don't again. Know. Are, are you ready? Let's are you play sure? that, Eric. Every hour, an NBA referee abuses their power, but it's not their fault. They suffer alone and are terrified in their darkness, waiting for somebody to help. That's where the Redefine Eyesight Foundation, REF, comes in. Hi, I'm Greg Esposito, host of PHNX Suns and International Glasses Superstar. Please help one of these innocent refs. Another one, Eric. Oh my God. Uh, you guys really uh, thick as thieves over here, <laughs> fucking up the whole show. Eric, Collusion. Eric sucks. Man. That's what I'm going to oh, say. Wow. He's wow. Just Rudy now. He's just, just screwing He's everything the, the up. The we're gonna blame it on the intern. To the intern. Yeah. We're just well, trying to be like the Suns, turning it over. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. 
Basically. The la- this la- the first two minute report on this show is going to be brutal awful. tomorrow. Awful. Just brutal. I think we should try this one more time. <laughs> Welcome in everybody to the PHNX Suns podcast. Uh, how are you guys feeling? After that, I'm all over the place right now. He <laughs> <laughs> was feeling good five minutes ago. I was, in, I was in a good like rhythm, and then you know I got iced out. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay, I got to tell you, you know, you uh, have a conviction about things you believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your passion for Ryan House and doing. Wait, things are we trying this stuff. again? What the fuck are you doing, Espo? Like she I'm said we're starting over. Are you trapped in a loop. Oh my God! What are we Eric, doing? Are can we in the Matrix right now? now? No, oh no. no. At least like ten minutes. Dude, just to scrap it. We've already tried it twice. Wait till the end. There's an actual second version of the video that he had to do. Oh my God! That's those Joker origin stories. Oh my God! This is so bad. This is so bad. Um, Jay said Adam Silver stopped it. <laughs> he doesn't have a button or a buzzer Maybe that tells him when the things are going to do that whole show. first half of that video again? Yeah, you do. Oh but he God. does for this show. Um, Bro, should, don't you play that unless you watch it first. We, <laughs> I'm not sitting through this We're stuff not again. going 0 for 3. <laughs> we're not going to be the Suns. We're not going to go 0 for 3, all right? Please. Okay, we're going to put a pin in this. We'll do we, it at the end of the show. We might there revisit we it later. Maybe. I don't know. This no is promises. great for the audio version. I mm-hmm. know. Bless all your hearts. All right. Let's talk about some actual things that have to do with the Phoenix Suns while they figure that out. Uh, injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So in last night's game, Kevin Durant rolled his ankle and it made us all nervous and feel some type of way. Here's what he said about playing through it. What do you mean? Why am I calling? She called called for a video and they're over here trying to fix this shit. (laughs) (laughs) You're calling for a video. You're gonna tell me. Why did we even start this show today? This is our worst show. Oh my god. What did you want me to do? This is is a dumpster fire right now. Talk about the suns. It's our worst show. We were. Should we just call Emma live and ask if she can help us? (laughs) Unreal. Well, so Bradley Beal. I'm just going to stay here. You guys Why don't we talk about the turnovers since we don't have any elements for that? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's talk about turnovers. We're going to talk about turnovers? What? Okay. Uh, Sure. Well. Look, we talked about this last night. This is such a cluster right now. We talked about this last night, but uh, to me, the turnover issue is such a big deal, right? Obviously, and last night was was no different. That was a huge pro- part of it. But we got in the discussion, is this a, a thing that is going to be perpetual, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about that, and I looked into it. So right now they're averaging 14 and a half turnovers per game, right? But I'm starting to think that the problem may be more the opponent than necessarily the Suns because in the in the five losses to the Lakers and the Spurs, they average 17.2 turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. So two teams that have some length, uh, you know, have big athletic big men that cause things. All other games are only averaging 13 uh, a little over 13 and a half turnovers, right? We talk about Devin Booker helping. With Devin Booker, 13 and a half turnovers per game. Without Booker, 15.6 turnovers per game. Mm-hmm. But in that win streak, they only average 12 a game. Mm-hmm. They this is not a case of they haven't figured it out at any point this season. Mm-hmm. They have and when they get it under control, they win. 
And Devin Booker's a big reason why they have been able to get it under control. Last night was more an outlier somewhat than than the than the rule when it comes with Devin Booker on this team right now. Right. And that's I wrote about this over at gophnx.com kind of my three takeaways from last night's game. And one of them is just the obvious that when you have two superstars and your third one is injured, you can't afford for an off night for either one of them. And last night, like a lot of people have been waiting for Booker to have a bad game so they could come back out of the woodworks with the Suns don't have a point guard. They don't have enough ball handling, yada, yada, yada. They're missing their one of their main ball handlers and the other one played like garbage. Like, of course, you're not going to win a lot of games when that happens. Book has to be better. The Suns can't afford for him to play the way that he did with seven turnovers, only six assists, um, for him to shoot the way that he did, for him to be kind of passive on offense a lot of the time. I think, like like we talked about, like Anthony Davis being in the paint makes a big difference in terms of the willingness to attack there. But he's got to be better. There was that one backcourt violation that he had where he stepped over the line and he was just kind of dawdling with the ball near midcourt and didn't bring it closer that allowed the two Lakers to corral him, and nobody came to the ball. Nas was on the other side. Josh Okogie was on his right side. Neither of them came to the ball until it was too late, and Book had already stepped over the line. So it's one of those things where we've seen the Suns execute out of those doubles, out of those blitzes, and do it well, and punish defenses for those four-on-three advantages. And we've also seen them really struggle with it. But to your point, the first 10 games, they were 28th in the NBA, I think, in turnovers per game. The next 10 games, they were 13th. So it's one of those things where, yes, Booker makes a huge difference on that front. Yes, they were getting better. But at times, their tendency to throw unforced, sloppy, live ball turnovers mm -hmm. is what gets them in trouble. Uh, a couple things. Uh, first, you didn't have to watch the entire game to know that Devin Booker, to, to have that Devin Booker point that you pointed out about the Suns needing a point guard. All you had to do was watch the first six minutes because he turned the ball over like crazy in the first six minutes of the game. Um, and then the other thing, too, is, is the thing that bothered me about Devin Booker and the double teams last night was he was waiting until the double teams got all the way up on him before he finally made uh, an action. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you have size like that and length, and, and you're trying to make a play, even Chris Paul wouldn't be able to get out of some of those situations. you got to get the ball out of your hands a lot quicker than that when you see that they're shooting guys at you, and that that's my problem. But I also was like, hmm, I wonder, because I also did some research there, Espo, mm -hmm. and I wondered, historically speaking, uh, in the last world, we'll just take the last five years, NBA champions, what was their turnover percentage? Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, and so I'm, we're going to play a little game called Higher or Lower. All okay. right? Oh. All right, so we're going to go to last year. We have year. those graphics here. No, so, <laughs> so, so we're going to go to last year, Denver. Uh, is the Suns' percentage this year higher or lower than Denver's regular season last year? Right now, higher. Sun, is the Suns higher or lower? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say I feel like it's a I'm trick say, question. I feel like it is too, but I'm going to say higher. because I'm going to go lower because I feel like it's a trick question. Uh, it is higher. Okay. It is 13.7. Oh, and I won't tell you what Suns is. Okay. Uh, Golden State, higher or lower? Lower. Than when they won the championship? The Suns is lower than the Warriors? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. are, are the Warriors higher or lower than the Suns' oh, percentage? The Warriors are higher turnover percentage. I'm going to say lower. I'll go higher. It is higher. Uh, Milwaukee. Hmm, I'm going to say lower. lower. Higher. It is lower. Uh, the Lakers. Hmm. Higher. Lower. Lower. 
Higher. Okay. And Toronto. Higher. Lower. Lower. Higher. Okay. Uh, the Suns are at twelve point nine percent. All those okay. teams had over fourteen, except uh, for Milwaukee, who was at a twelve point eight. Now, when we're talking about the playoffs, mm-hmm. now we can't judge this team based on the playoffs because they haven't gotten there yet. Uh, every single one of those teams uh, decreased their averages except for one, and that was Milwaukee, who actually increased, and Toronto. So, okay. Um, but Toronto was the highest in the playoffs at sixteen point one. Damn. as a turnover percentage, and they still won a championship. So two things from that. One, uh, not all is lost. Even if you have a 12.9% turnover percentage, mm-hmm. you're going to have some some games that are going to be egregious, like last night. But there's other games, like you mentioned, Espo, that will be lower. Um, so you hope that the averages will not uh, ruin the whole season because if the averages start to creep up into the 14-15 range, with the team as it is currently suited, with the injuries that they have, um, you're putting yourself in a really bad position. So, uh, and and I also want to go back to this point. I understand that Bradley Beal's out. I'm starting to kind of resist the thought that Bradley Beal is going to help a lot of these problems or all of these problems. I still feel like, for for lack of a better word, sorry, damn this stupid phone. Um, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I think that they're still going to exist because some of these things are just unforced. And it's not because you don't have another superstar, another guy that can go get a bucket. It's just because you're being sloppy with the ball. You're dribbling the ball off your foot. You're throwing the ball out of bounds. You're throwing the ball when you see a, a, a defender is clearly in the passing lane and you still throw it. Like these are these are fixable errors. Mm. And it's really it's really off putting to know that you have a team full of veterans that are making these simple stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm. First of all, I'm very proud of the both of you for coming to the show with stats. It brings a tear to my we eye. We figured you didn't go to bed until like 5 a.m. Yeah. after you wrote. So it was, we would somebody had to carry the show today. Actually four, but yeah, um, no, I, I I agree with, with that. I, I think, and Kevin Durant's actually talked about this too because we had brought up the turnover thing earlier in the season, and he was saying, look, I played on some great teams like the Warriors who turned it over a lot because we played at a fast pace. But we also generated a lot of possessions. We made a lot of shots, and that can definitely make up for it. Um, to your point, my concern is, and it hasn't been as much of a concern over the last 10 games because I feel like with Book out there, they were better at it. But the turnovers that they make are just, like you were saying, like they're just dumb turnovers that a team of veterans shouldn't be making, bad decisions and like also, losing it. And also, you just mentioned it, the, the Warriors played at a faster pace. They did. The Suns are not one of the faster-paced teams no. in the in the, in the the league. So you combine those two, mm-hmm. you have limited possessions now, and you're, you're costing yourself more. So those, those turnovers magnify mm-hmm. because you have less possessions. It, it just feels like we haven't gotten a feel for what the identity of this team is yet outside of KD and Book. And, and part of that is coaching. Part of that is having a group of new players. Part of that is not having your full complement of guys. But, you know, we were told leading into the season, like, we're going to play fast. We want to put Book and KD in positions where they can attack and transition. We're going to be a defensive-minded team. So far, those things haven't come into focus yet. And part of playing fast is you have to get those stops. But right now, they're playing at one of the slowest paces in the NBA. Uh, They're not getting the requisite stops against good teams so it's one of those things where they are coasting kind of on their half-court offense, the power of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. I think they're like bottom five in the NBA in shots per game because they're just not generating a lot of possessions or getting enough stops there. So all of these things are kind of feeding into each other, and you're hoping that when Beal is out there, it alleviates that. Maybe you can play faster, 
um, score at an even higher clip than you are now. Uh, but to your point, like if they just keep throwing the ball to right into guys' hands or just some of these awful passes we're seeing, those are things that they have to clean up. And so far, they just haven't. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't they like 28th in fast break? Uh, they're they're, they're, like, yeah, they're slow as molasses. I mean, it, and we thought, oh, no Chris Paul, that's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. And it uh, and it hasn't. But uh, do you, after looking through the stats, <laughs> do you feel better about where they are? Turnover wise, because last night you were pretty upset about. No, I don't feel. I don't feel better because, especially when you're playing a team like the Lakers, you got to control the ball, and and when you have 22 turnovers, like that's just. I don't mean better about last night. I just mean in totality. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess in in, when you put it in historical perspective, um, not all is lost. So I guess I feel a little bit better about that, but. I, I will go back to this point real quick about the the pace, right? Mm-hmm. Devin Booker has been learning to play point guard over the course of the last four or five years, right? We've had point book for about five years now. It started in 2018 and kind of sprinkled out throughout then. But in the last three years, he's learned from Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul is not a pusher of tempo. Mm-hmm. He's never been. And so when you are when you see a style that you're maybe not trying to emulate to a T, but you're that's the the model that you're kind of going off of. You're going to play at a slower pace. I would wager to I would I would wonder if if it was Steve Nash that he was learning from, would he be pushing the ball a little bit quicker than he does as we speak right now? Mm-hmm. Because right now the Suns basically walk the ball up the court every single time across half court. Uh, it's very rare that they even have an opportunity to get out and, and push the tempo. I don't know why. I don't know if that's just the system. I don't know if that's just Kevin Young wanting to do that, but. It feels like when Bradley Beal comes back, you should definitely try to push the tempo a lot more because if you're sitting back and trying to execute in half court all the time, it just becomes tiresome. It really does. And you got to think so much. You got to work so hard to get shots. It's just it's just exhausting. Forgive me because I didn't look up this part statistically, but how much of this has to do with the fact that they're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds and, and more possessions to the other team? There's a lot less opportunity to fast break when you're taking it from under the basket. And I wonder, uh, I again, would have to look this up, but I wonder how much of that has impacted their pace as well, opportunity to, mm-hmm. to actually get out and run. Yeah, I mean, looking at the numbers here, the Suns rank 11th, actually, in opponent second chance points. Um, so they're borderline top 10 in that category. Last night was... Wild because the Lakers actually ranked 28th in offensive rebounds per game and the Suns gave them 21 Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're a pretty good team about limiting, you know, opponent offensive rebounds or at least opponent second chance points. So that was kind of a a bizarre outlier. It speaks to the physicality factor that we've talked about with that matchup. Um, But yeah, to your point, it just feels like they're not getting the requisite stops and when they are, they're not being able to attack and transition for whatever reason. And I, I don't necessarily think it's because they're playing slow. It, it just feels like they're not filling out the break the way no, that other teams no, do. Not even a little bit. It's pretty whack. Yeah. Zach in the chat said, Book hasn't got the balance between scoring and passing yet. Do you feel like that'll come more with time carrying a heavier load this season? I don't know if it's really that because he's shown us that he has the ability to do both. Mm-hmm. Last night, I that was such an odd night. Yeah. If you ever if you never watched Devin Booker play, 
you would think that he was kind of like a role player mm -hmm. because of the way he was so hesitant all night last night. I don't, I can't, I couldn't put my finger on it. I watched it again today and I was like, why, why did he not take more shots in certain, um, when he had certain opportunities? Uh, it just was a very unbooker like performance. The last two games before that, he wasn't like at his peak either. Uh, but it was because he was missing a lot of shots. I thought everything else was okay. Mm. This one, it was like the the total picture of Devin Booker was off, right? In multiple different ways, from fouling to the to the turnovers to the missed shots, like nothing was connecting. And he hasn't really been right since he came back from the ankle injury. So I wonder if that's still a factor. I'm not sure. It could be. And and I'm seeing comments in the chat like about point book and not being able to balance that and point Nurkic looks better and stuff like that. And guys, he's still averaging 27 and eight assists per game. He's seventh in the NBA in assists. That's pretty good for a guy who's not a good point guard. Um, I, I think the balance for him has been thrown off because recently with Kevin Durant, the minutes that he's playing with not having Beal, a third star to stagger, like they've played his minutes differently. We've, we've talked about this. He usually for the first eight years of his career would play the entire first quarter, then get his rest for five or six minutes, come in to finish the half, do the same thing in the second half. Now he's getting pulled, you know, at the six to four minute mark of the first quarter, coming in a few minutes later, playing through the second quarter, coming back out, going back in. And he said it's been an adjustment to like what he's done for his whole career, adjusting to those those minutes leading the bench without KD in there. So I, I think it's something that he's going to have to get better at in terms of finding that balance between, okay, KD's out, I need to score now. KD's there, I need to play make now. They're still working through that for sure, but the results are still overwhelmingly good even with last night. But Okay, so we're going to go back and forth a little bit here. Okay. So why, in Devin Booker's first year with Chris Paul, they didn't have a third superstar either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so he played the whole first quarter. Mm -hmm. Chris Paul left at about the six, seven, eight mark. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he, they would switch mm -hmm. and Chris Paul would come in in the second quarter. I don't understand why they wouldn't keep doing that. Um, if that's what Booker's comfortable with going the whole first quarter, let KD come out and then they switch places to start the second. I don't understand why they would change that right now because Bradley Beal's not here and he hasn't been here for more than three games so why wouldn't they do that I, I think the two differences are that in that case like you could bring Chris Paul back in as the floor general to kind of set things up for the rest of the second unit and that's probably what Vogel is trying to do with book as opposed to like KD in that stretch as the facilitator um, and I think the other reason is when it first started they were doing it because they wanted to keep book at 32 to 33 minutes coming off the calf strain um, and so now obviously we're blowing past that. So it's kind of interesting. They haven't changed it since then. Um, I, I just think that's how he wants to stagger until they get Beal back. I'm not sure why, but I, I do think it speaks to like, we want to have book in there to close first quarters and start second quarters. Same thing because we, we were talking about the fourth quarter thing, how the Suns were terrible in fourth quarters because they, you know, as soon as KD went to the bench at the end of the third, everything fell to shit. So I think they structured it that way, designed not so much for the first half, but for the second, like start the fourth quarter with book out there and hopefully we don't collapse like we have been. I, I, that would be my guess. And I think that that all that tells me right now is that the Suns need a backup point card because mm -hmm. Jordan Goodwin, they don't trust him enough to do that. Mm -hmm. um, Eric Gordon has not been a good facilitator whatsoever. No. Um, and so you have you don't have anybody to really back up book. You don't have anybody. 
Mm. And so at some point, I do think that they're going to have to look at that market and, and figure out how to get somebody in here that's going to be a, a backup point guard. And even really, let's 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 call it what it is. Devin Booker is a phenomenal scorer, and mm. he's one of the most efficient players uh, in NBA history. Uh, these last three games, he shot less than 35%. It's not good. Uh, and I think having another point guard on the roster uh, to a certain degree in moments will help kind of alleviate some of that pressure for him to where he can just kind of be back to his normal kind of ways. Um, but still, he's still going to have plenty of opportunity to be the playmaker and, and the facilitator for sure. Well, I just every now and then to be on the court, I'm, I'll say it like this. Every now and then, it's just nice to not have to worry about bringing the ball to court, and you can just relax a little bit and get into the flow and just think about, okay, I'm going to come off this this pick and I'm going to I'm going to look to score. Like instead of all right, I got to set everybody up, put everybody in position. It just is when you haven't done it for you know a decade and you've only really been doing it for the last couple of years. It's it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do that and really build up your stamina for the long term like that. And beyond that, you don't know what Bradley Beal's injury is going to look like the remainder of the season. Like, we're all optimistic and hopeful that this time away will actually help heal and fix whatever ailments he's dealing with. But you're not guaranteed that, especially with a back. Mm. So if you have any sort of ins and outs, ebbs and flows when it comes to his injury, you absolutely need to look into something else as a relief for book in those situations yeah. too. Are we overcomplicating this a bit? I mean, is this an Occam razor situation <clears throat> where the simple answer is, is the right one with last night? It was just an odd, bad game and not mm -hmm. a, not an indictment of book the point guard or, or the situation. It was just a bizarre game in general well, when you look at it. I think we should dive into that in a whole nother segment because everyone in the chat, well, not everyone, there are a lot of people in the chat, and this happened on social last night too, mm -hmm. questions about Book's abilities in quote-unquote elimination games, and we can argue the semantics of whether this game was or was not. Um, but I do think we should have that as yeah, a full segment. I, I, I don't, I, I will say this. Um, because I know we're going to get to the elimination talk, so I'm not going to talk about that. But I think what makes this a little bit different is that it's the third time against the Lakers that we've lost, and we haven't looked great in those fourth quarters. And last night, when it, when everything was on the line, we again they they got in a little bit of a run at the end of the game, kind of tried to pull away, sloppy defense. You know, Grayson Allen looking at Austin Reeves hitting a three right in his face, like. Those things should be correctable and should have been fixed, especially when you've already lost to a team twice. And I think that's what the difference is, and that's why people are so pissed because we lost to the Lakers yeah. for a third time. I was just talking book, simply book, because he wasn't there the first two games. This was just an an odd outlier in terms of what book's done this season more than you know a larger thing. So we can get into the elimination game stuff later, and I agree we should talk about that. I just. I don't think this is a condemnation on on point book necessarily. Yeah, I, we can talk about it now. I just have to sneak this in. Uh, you can watch Friday's game on Arizona's Family Sports. Uh, we will have a game on Friday against the Kings. And wherever you live in Arizona, you can visit azfamily.com and click Suns Games for listing information for your area. AZ Family is a great resource to help you find Phoenix Suns games on Arizona's Family Sports. And all you need to watch is an antenna, and you can find them both online and uh in brick and mortar stores as well. There's a bunch of different ones available. Also, this holiday season, if you're still unsure what to gift yourself or your family as a whole, why don't you look into new flooring for your home? Sometimes new flooring can just change 
the entire space. Like it just gives it a whole new life of its own. And with Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right products for your needs, and quick and professional installation. And my favorite part is the floor visualizer because you can actually see what your home or your space is going to look like with that new flooring. And you can try that out at empiretoday.com slash phnx. Schedule free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when you use the promo code PHNX. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash PHNX for all the details. All right, let's have the conversation. Jake it or leave it has commented a few times in the chat that, you know, book just has not shown up in elimination games. Uh, B said we have to have an honest conversation about that. Mm. Where do you guys stand when it comes to this topic? Because I know it's pretty divided. I will defer to the senator from New Mexico. (laughs) Go ahead and we'll get into it. All right. I want to preface this by saying that I am in no way saying that book has not been terrible in these okay. <laughs> in these scenarios. Like if you look at the numbers, if you include last night's in-season tournament game as one of these elimination games, do or die games, he's averaging 15.8 points, 5.3 assists, and four and a half rebounds, almost five turnovers. He's shooting 32% from the floor, 13% from three, and it's a minus 81 total point differential when he's been on the court in those four games. Oh, and four, obviously. God damn, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're but terrible keep- numbers. <laughs> Hold on. Let me keep going. They are terrible. But I will say that the concept in general of elimination games is a tad over romanticized. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because obviously it's an important and useful thing to have a player that can come through when your team's back is against the wall. And right now Devin Booker has not shown us that he's been able to do that. But do you know how many of the last 44 NBA champions didn't have to play a single elimination game during their playoff run? Almost half of them, 21 of them, didn't have to play a single elimination game. So Six over of those, those were Jordan. <laughs> over those four, no, Jordan actually played in one yeah, of them. Uh, over those 44 seasons, the eventual NBA champion played an average of 1.04 elimination games. So it's one of those things where. Like it's either a do or die game seven, or if you are in a situation where your team could be eliminated, you're probably not going to win that playoff series anyway. You are probably playing a team that is overmatched, that is better than you, and you're probably going to win. That's why we do these best of seven series, because 90% of the time, the better team will win out over the course of a seven game series. The thing with this is that book is not going to beat these allegations until he wins a championship. Mm -hmm. And that's just the blatant truth yeah. of it. Like nobody thinks about the fact that Michael Jordan actually has a losing record in elimination games for his career. He was six and seven. Why? Because he was the winningest player in the finals outside of Bill Russell in terms of six and oh, indomitable winning personified. Nobody talks about Kobe being nine and 10 in elimination games. KD being six and nine. Tim Duncan being eight and 13. And a lot of these guys' numbers significantly dropping in those games. It's because elimination games are often with your back against the wall and you are overmatched and you're probably not going to win. And and we could make excuses for Book all day. You know, the Buck series, he was dealing with the hamstring thing. The Nuggets series, um, you know, he was dealing with the foot thing from game five. The Maverick series, the whole COVID rumors that we heard about that. But this is why I hate like ring culture, because we don't appreciate players for what they are until they get over that hump. And I understand that like you have to win a title to solidify yourself among the all time greats. But the truth is, if you are a championship caliber team, 
you should be up in the series. That's what happened when we saw the Suns get to the finals. They didn't face an elimination game until the very end, and that was one game. He's played in three elimination playoff games. Like all of these guys that I'm mentioning with losing elimination game records have all played 15 to 20 games. The guy's 27 years old. He's going to have time. And even if he's not that number one guy that can lead you to a title, a pretty good way to make up for that is by pairing him with Kevin freaking Durant, who is good enough, has shown that he's good enough to be the 1A on a championship team. So as much as Booker has not been good in elimination games and has to prove it, I do think this idea that he has to be is missing the point. Like if this is a championship caliber team, they shouldn't be in those situations anyway half the time. No, and last night wasn't an elimination game. Come on. <laughs> I get it. It was a one game, you know, but that was not a, that's not you you've gone through a grueling playoff series, you don't show up in in a deciding game, you know, whether it's fair or not to say that. Mm. This was not an elimination game like that. Uh, but you're right. The, you can't you can't get past that until you get over the hump. But what I'd be more concerned about is if he was missing all sorts of clutch shots at the end of elimination games, and it was like a big moment thing where he wasn't coming through when you had a chance to win. Mm-hmm. They've gotten their asses kicked, and that's a team thing. <laughs> right. That's not one guy. Devin Booker wasn't going to make up the you know, they at one point 50 point ass kicking you were taking to the Mavs, right? Like mm-hmm. these were fundamental team issues that fell apart. I mean, you could argue maybe in the in the deciding Bucks game, a little bit more book gets you to force a game seven. But the other two, the book wasn't making the difference. That was a large team failure, a catastrophic failure in, in both cases. Um, okay. So I hear you guys, and I think you guys all make valid you know, points for sure. I think Devin Booker is held to a different standard. And I think when you're looking at Devin Booker, I don't even care about winning a championship. I'm just talking about like, what is, what do you look like in these situations? And I don't look at Devin Booker in any one of the situations, whether it be the finals, um, the, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, or even last night and feel like he came with it, right? Like if he had performed at a high level and they still lost, then I could swallow that. I, I could be fine. But the problem is, and as Gerald's stats point out, is like he's not even showing up half the time. Like you got to be there and do your part. And I don't feel like he's really doing that at all in those elimination games. And I, I don't really care if you want to count last night as an elimination game or not. But last night, if you want to consider that, he didn't look right. Mm-hmm. He didn't look right at any point in time in that game. And that's concerning because you have to show up for your team, especially when everybody in your city is tabbing you as the face of the franchise and possibly the best player to ever come through Phoenix. Like you got to show up. Like you got to show up. And, and and so that's that's my thing. It's like, yeah, I get it. Like Michael Jordan, same thing. Like and he he went time after time, but I I would like to see what Michael Jordan's stats were in some of those elimination games cuz I would just say that he showed up in a lot of those things. He just didn't have the team to, to really do it. That's why they lost a lot. Right. Like, and so, again, like if Devin Booker dropped 35 last night and had a normal Devin Booker game, I, I'm not I'm not sitting here talking about that. If he did that at any point in time in any of those three other games in the playoffs, same thing. But the last two in the playoffs, they were so far out of it before we even got to halftime. I, it's like, does it even count? 
Well, it does because you got to show up from the start, and I, that's what that's what I am a little bit more disappointed in. And it's not even like I don't think he's going to ever come through. I don't think that. I think at some point he will. But in the in the in the in the games that he has played, he has not looked he has not looked like the standard that he set for himself. And mm-hmm. that's the most concerning part for me. Is like, bro, why does why do you look different in some of these games? I don't know if it's COVID. It, it's the hamstring or whatever, right? Like the mm-hmm. foot, get it. All right, cool. But if you step on that court and you're ready to go, you gotta be, you gotta give something. And I don't feel like he's really given much of anything in those games. No, I, I completely agree. But again, this is a four game sample size we're talking about. If you're talking about the in season tournament and including that in there, uh, to your point, like MJ's stats were way better in elimination mm-hmm. games. But there was still that narrative about him until he broke through and won a title that he was just a scoring leader, that he couldn't elevate his teammates, make them better. He couldn't win. Like, we do this with every fucking superstar player that comes in the league, every single one. And it's why Kevin Durant went to join the Golden State Warriors in the first place, because people would talk shit about how he couldn't lead the Oklahoma City Thunder to a title on his own. He couldn't do it on his own, so he had to join somebody else. Like, we take it upon ourselves to define what players legacies are and every time we did this with Giannis and Nikola Jokic a couple years ago and then as soon as they won a title it was oh my god they're 25 greatest players of all time automatically like why do we put so much on that one thing and I think elimination games if you win a title who gives it he could go 0 and 10 for his career in elimination games if he wins a title he wins a title and he goes down as arguably the greatest son of all time so I, I think we're losing our focus here. He has to be better in these situations. Like, we all agree on that. There's no denying that. Th- these numbers are not going to cut it. But my thing is, if you are a championship caliber team, you're not going to be playing in elimination games. You are going to be eliminating people like he did when he dropped 47 on the Lakers, like he did in the Buck series when he was trying to get that third win and dropped 40 in back-to-back finals games and didn't have help around him to get him over the hump. Like I, my thing is we focus on this three game sample size and forget all the shit that he did in the playoffs, yeah, the all the good games. stuff, all the closeout games that he's had. They're just different conversations because you're just because you're not good in elimination games, which every player in NBA history, for the most part, doesn't have a good record. Their stats go down. That doesn't define who you are as a clutch or a playoff performer to me. Do you think this should be a bigger conversation that we're honing in on Devin because it's easier to look at him specifically, but should it be bigger from a team organization perspective where we rely so heavily on what Devin does that if he has a game like this, there's a good chance we lose that game? My, my, my perspective isn't even about that. My perspective is solely on Devin Booker and his performance. That's, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Like it's solely on Devin Booker and his performance and how he played and he's played shitty in four of these games, right? Like yeah. he has not played to his standard. He did not play to his standard that he set even in the same series. Now I know he had his foot against the nuggets and he had one of the most efficient scoring runs of all time as a guard. Like I totally get that. But when your team needed you the most, he had the for the 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 injury on the foot, uh, the hamstring, COVID. I don't I don't know, and I don't care because you're on the court. You gotta you gotta show up a little bit more than you have, and that's that's what I'm looking at. Like I know Michael lost multiple times against the Pistons, but he showed up in those can, games. Can we like, stop with the Michael Jordan comparison? Okay, let's Nobody's talk about Michael Steph Curry. Jordan. Let's talk about Steph Curry. Let's talk about a lot of these guys that have gotten eliminated in the playoffs in elimination games. 
But they stepped up and they did play and they played at a high level. It's just their teams were not good enough to win championships. And to Gerald's point, that's why you're in an elimination game because your team is not good enough. But, 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 but that's two things that are not working right now. The team's not good and Devin Booker's not playing good. And that's my issue. No, I agree. I agree. And the, the Michael Jordan thing wasn't on you. I just, that's the default everybody turns to when they talk about greatness and nobody's living up to Mike. Like, but mm. I think it's fair. No, but I think from Gerald's perspective, staff. if you're using the stats to show that even Michael Jordan had struggles in these certain areas mm. and nobody's living up to that, how can uh, you, you know, yeah, what I, mean? I just meant stat lines in those things. But Nobody lives up to Mike. And, but that's the thing is, it's not just Mike. Like, I named Kobe, KD, mm -hmm. Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, who was six and 12, Kevin Garnett, Kareem, all losing records in elimination games. And some of those guys put up great numbers still. Some of them did not. Tim Duncan was averaging like 22 points a game on like sub 50% shooting in those games. It, it's one of those things where, again, like, if you're in an elimination game, there's a good chance you're playing a team that's better than you in a best of seven series. Like that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses for book or say that, you know what he's done at. Ah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. They need him to be better when their back is against the wall. Cause a lot of these champions have had to play in an elimination game to get that ring at the end of the season. My thing is like, if you pair him with Kevin Durant, your the hope is that two top 10 players is going to be enough because we know Kevin Durant has great experience. He's averaging damn near 30 points a game in elimination games. So even if Book is not that guy that's going to carry you in that scenario, like you have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal to kind of safeguard against that. That's the hope. So we have a couple of super chats around this one. Psycho Blue sent us one and said, Book saved our hides in the Grizzlies game, Grizzlies elimination game. We wouldn't be in this tournament without him one in three in elimination games. I don't think the Grizzlies game counts as a I don't think any game? of these count. What do you mean, that was what, more what like, mean, it Grizzlies wasn't an elimination game for the Grizzlies. That was just like getting into. Yeah, he was saying we wouldn't have made right. the the knockout round if Book oh. hadn't had the big game. <laughs> okay, now we're far. really <laughs> stretching it. Like last night, including it's a stretch, but going into that Memphis. Mm -hmm. I agree. In the actual playoff elimination games, Devin Booker has played terribly and he needs to play better. Mm -hmm. in those situations for this team to win. There's no doubt in, in that. But last night was not an elimination game in my mind. So Brian sent us two. The first one Brian sent us said, not going to lie, Book being a front runner, getting annoying. And then the second one, they said, it's the numbers. Who cares about the record? I mean, I do. Like, I, I don't care if a guy puts up 35 points and loses by 20. Like, I, I just, I don't. I don't okay. care about that as much like to our like to your point elimination games are not just about one guy we've already acknowledged book needs to be better um, but in two of those games the Suns were just getting their asses kicked all five players all 10 players that touched the court were getting dominated like pulling a guy out and his numbers being low because the game was over by halftime yeah I'm gonna fault him more than anybody else because he's the leader of the team but at the end of the day, if you're looking at averages, yeah, those averages are going to come down if you play like 20, 25 minutes because the game was over already. I, I don't I don't care as much about averages. I care about what happened in the game. I don't quite understand the front runner thing either. Like this guy had opportunities to leave and and go elsewhere and – I, you know, I think points. he's talking about like when when the Suns are up in a series, that's when he plays good. Oh, mm -hmm. When they're falling behind, that's when okay. he falls apart. That's a front runner mentality, is I what guess. he's saying. Okay. Yeah. 
Any final thoughts on this one before we move on? No. Okay. Uh, great points, everybody. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed that conversation. I thought it was pretty good. I'm impressed. It was civilized. Huh? It was civilized. I know. It was. It was very civilized. Look at us. We didn't even need OGs to calm our nerves or anything. Uh, but you guys should absolutely check out our friends over at OGs. They have a variety of bold flavors, and you can customize your experience based on your desired effect and strength as well, of course, of course, as the flavor. To learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head on over to ogsbrands.com. Also, if you have not signed up for Circle K's new free membership program, you're missing out on lots of good stuff. First and foremost, you save 25 cents per gallon on your first five fill-ups. And right now, they're doing a free 31 days of Circle K on the Inner Circle app where you kind of, you just basically get a coupon every single day. It seems like like sometimes it could be a free snack or a free candy or buy one, get one or half off this or something along those lines. So if you have not signed up yet, join Inner Circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit circlek.com for details. If you have signed up and you haven't logged into your app in a minute, you should probably do that as well. Okay, we do have a couple super chats here that we can discuss. J5 Media sent us one. Thank you for your super chat. Said, hard not to get caught up in conspiracy theories when it's obvious the NBA wants their darling Lakers in the spotlight for the in-season tournament. So, you know, we had heard from Book and KD last night after the game. Book was saying, you know, we just kind of want to be given an opportunity. We're not asking for favorable calls necessarily, but an even playing field, if you will. Um, Kevin Durant gave his typical kind of KD answer where you can't let the refs dictate the game, which is also very understandable. Um, and Gerald, it's funny because last night as the game was starting, this this whole like script, NBA, all that stuff was already <laughs> yeah. beginning and it was funny and we were joking around about it. Mm -hmm. But I said, do you believe at all, mm -hmm. like just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. that maybe there's a thumb on the scale at times within the NBA? And you said no. And then at the end of the game, you're like, now I'm questioning. <laughs> I was questioning everything. Now I'm that. questioning. Do you guys get caught up in the conspiracy theories around the NBA? No. Sometimes? No. Yes, because the storylines this year have been a bit lackluster, and I believe the writer's strike really impacted that. Mm. They didn't have the kind of time to work on the That's early fair. season script here to get it right. No, the NBA, honestly, I know we joke about it, but the NBA isn't rigged. This mm. is not the WWE. Do I believe that sometimes they focus on specific kind of uh, foul calls and certain things going on because they look at it and they go, our superstars aren't getting the kind of calls that we believe they should. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's good for business to have, have your superstars uh, be able to do what they do best on the biggest stages. I don't think Adam Silver is really sitting there going, you know what we need to do. We need the Lakers to win because the second that's found out, the league falls apart, yeah. right? If that's actually what's going on, if that ever comes out, Basketball's done in the way that we see it. At least that the, the <coughs> league, it, crum it crumbles and you lose your billion dollar business because you were cheating the system. I just, I don't think it's actually rigged in, in that way. Okay, but it could, it may not be actually rigged. But would it would would you put it past them to be looking at certain matchups and go back and look through certain games and looking at the film and being like, here's something Devin does often. That normally we would let pass, but is technically 
not something that he should be doing. Let's call that a little bit more in the next however many games. Not not for the Lakers to win or anything. I mean, the refs had nothing to do with the Suns turning the ball over 22 times. They had nothing to do with all the offensive rebounds they gave up. They had nothing to do with uh, Grayson Allen not covering Austin Reeves on a wide-open three-point shot at the end of the game under 30 seconds left to go. The refs had nothing to do with any of that stuff. You, If you take care of all that shit, you win the game. And so, yeah, it sucks that at the end of the game, there, well, there's multiple fouls, like uh, Devin Booker getting groped around the head and pulled out of bounds <laughs> and his headband halfway off his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nurkic getting slapped on the ri- uh, on the arms by two guys at the end. Uh, and then obviously the timeout. Yeah, you can point to those three things as being so egregious and awful. But even after the first two, they had an opportunity to win the game. They even took the lead at some point. Uh, I think at the five or six minute mark, and then LeBron tried to take over. And again, you have an opportunity to win the game. And KD, I thought, listen, props to KD for being as calm as he was. And he was just sitting there and he was just like, we played like shit. What do you want to do? Like, yeah, we can blame the refs, but we got to play better overall. And And after thinking about it overnight and waking up this morning, that's exactly how I felt. I was just like, man, I can't believe they turned the ball over so many times how do you have in the first quarter of a game that allegedly these players care about that in the first quarter you have more turnovers than you have field goals like that's just that's egregious you can't do that and the refs have nothing to do with that if your question was do i believe that certain refs might have bias and might shift things and potentially because of gambling i'd tell you yeah i believe that that could be part of it because we've seen it Tim Donaghy did it. There were supposedly other refs involved. We've seen point-shaving scandals and those kind of things in sports. If that's the question, yeah, I could buy into that, but I do not believe that the league mm. is trying to dictate what happens in games. The the gambling partnerships do make me a little bit uneasy in terms of the league and like on the broadcast, quarter by quarter, they've got player odds for certain unders and overs now on Except the ours. We love screen. Like it, it's... <laughs> It's it's a little murky for me for the league to be doing that, but I I don't think the league is rigged like we've all said. The Suns beat themselves up last night, um, and if you look at the last five NBA champions, five different champions, only two from major markets in terms of LA and Golden State. The other three were the Toronto Raptors, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Denver Nuggets. I guarantee you, if the league was rigged, those teams would not have had such an easy I mean, time the getting those there. Teams would have been a lot higher. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, teasing. The, like, the, I, the NBA would have never had the Suns versus the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals if, that, if right. the, everything was rigged. Right. <laughs> you, you want to tell me t- some teams are cursed? We could have that conversation. No, but, that's a conversation. But rigged? No. Okay. No. Psycho Blue sent us another super chat. Thank you, Psycho Blue. They said, a wise man once said, quote, oh no, we <laughs> suck again. Katie and Book just need to get right for the next for next week. 40 games with big three means 40 wins. We got this. If they go 40 and 0 in games with big three, well, that's hoping there's 40 games with them might be a little ambitious at this point, too. But if they did, though, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big Vernon sent us one as well. Thank you so much. Said, I think Katie played great last night, but should have been more aggressive to score. He was cooking and just stopped shooting. Yeah, some of that's defense, some of that's the offense. Saul brought this up last night, just got stagnant, not moving the ball. You know, there's there's a lot of factors to that. I don't think it was simply KD just decided, eh, I'm not going to score now, you know? Yeah. Wow. What? Uh-oh. Last two-minute report? <sighs> yeah. All right, well, are you ready, or do you want me to do one more? 
Go ahead. Okay, we have one more super chat. So while you read through that, uh, Libertarian Sasquatch and then says one as well said, we can blame the refs all we want, but the Suns are one turnover away from third most in the league and 24th in rebounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically what Saul was saying. Like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't entirely the end of... Control what you can control. Yeah. And they didn't do that. Exactly. Nope. All right. Well, as Gerald finishes reading that up, real quick, I want to remind you guys about our friends over at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. No one does it better than them. Their state-of-the-art gaming floor has has it all with over 800 slot machines, 15 blackjack tables, and live table games. So... Make sure you check them out. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit playathila.com for more details. Also, you know we are team good stockings this year for Christmas, and you have to to top off your stockings with Arizona Lottery uh, holiday scratchers. So go out and get your holiday scratchers today. Saul, you got a DraftKings pick of the week for us? Oh, yeah. Kind of round round that out? I do. We're going to make no money on the in-season tournament with the Suns anyway. SMU and ASU are playing tonight. Okay. Um, you take SMU plus the points, and you the under, you take the under. It's 140, 141.5. Um, you take the under. Uh, I'm not a big believer in Arizona State. What are the points okay. for <laughs> SMU? Uh, SMU, what do you mean? Oh, plus one, 1.5. 1. 1.5. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ASU's Jekyll and Hyde, and sometimes they can't throw a rock in the ocean. Other times they play fairly well. Um, they've won four in a row. They're going for five. We'll see. All right. That's our DraftKings pick of the week. So make sure you get in on the action. Gerald, tell us the bad news. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the last two-minute report <laughs> rules that the Lakers' timeout down the stretch was a correct call. Uh, Austin Reeves recovers the ball and pins it against his leg before he loses it again. Uh, there are, were three incorrect calls in the last two-minute report, all against the Suns. <laughs> they said Grayson Allen fouled Austin Reeves with a minute 34 left. They said that Kevin Durant fouled LeBron James with about 44 seconds left. I think that was when he went to the rim. And uh, Nurkic fouled Anthony Davis, initiating contact on his right arm that affected his shot attempt at the rim. So... Ouch. Wow. (laughs) That's just wow. I know sometimes they admit their fault, but this is this is like when you do a self-evaluation at work. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna throw a few things that maybe I could do better, but nobody's going, you know what? In 2023, I friggin' sucked at this job. And you probably should dock my pay because I was so egregiously bad. Like nobody's Nobody's overly honest in their okay, self-evaluation. But that, like, more than doubled down, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, wasn't even like, "Hey, we're just gonna gloss over this." That yeah. was like, "Oh, and by the way, we should have called this, this, and that." That's, That's like, crazy. I made a mistake, but now I'm going to tell you why you suck. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's more like a marriage argument sometimes. Here's why it's actually your fault. <laughs> exactly. Like, they just gaslit us. They, they did. They? That's nuts. 100. <laughs> Oh my God! Sean said, "What y'all said about not being rigged again?" <laughs> that's that's rough, man. That's egregious. Oh, I mean, no. there was contact on those last two attempts at the rim for sure, but like the way they had been calling it all night, those aren't fouls. I'm sorry. That's wild. <sighs> wow, man. Okay, well, <laughs> that's one way to end. We the broke show. Espo. <laughs> We're ending like we started. <laughs> we did get another super chat. We oh, can end man. on that. Uh, Brian sent us one and said, concern, nerd, death, and pick and roll, and team rim protection. 
down the stretch against LeBron, yeah. I think he's been better in recent weeks, honestly. I, I do. And I still think they you look at what the shooting percentages they held them to, um, especially on the interior, the fact that they held him to 106. He's made progress, but down the stretch, having him try to stop LeBron James, they went to that over and over, kind of like they did the first time they met. So that's it's gonna be a problem come playoff time. Yeah. I the chat after that is is going back to the rig thing. Is there just potentially the fact that the refs are just really bad at their jobs? Couldn't that be part of this too? They, they, they're just not particularly good at this? No, because I feel like you there's so many, there's especially for like these type of reports, there's got to be a ton of checks and balances where league members, like executive level members are also okay with what officials are putting out. Adam Silver is probably looking at these things when it's on this grand of a stage, right? It's the in-season tournament game. It was one of the bigger kind of news stories. Other NBA players were popping off about it. Media was popping off about it. This one has to have a checks and balances. I, There's no way this is just like the officials are no, being bad. I get the report and, and I also get the, le- you know, them not wanting to go, oh, yeah, we screwed up, and the Suns probably should be in this game that we're trying to feature. I yeah. I get that. But in the moment, uh, in a call that's, you know, in a lot of these calls that are split-second things uh, with human, you know, with, with human fallibility, when they don't go and review it because they said we can't review this, right, I think some of these guys are just really bad at their jobs. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Going back to the NERC point, um, you know, people, several people said, you know, Nurk played bad last night too and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, this is a bad matchup for Nurk. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis is a horrible matchup for Nurk. He has not played well against the Lakers with Anthony Davis on the court all three times. He it is not a good matchup physically. Um, Anthony Davis is athletically better than him. He's a little bit longer. Uh, the reason why I believe Nurkic can can do ad, you know fairly well against Jokic is because Jokic is not the athlete that that Anthony Davis is. Uh, Jokic doesn't have the lift that Anthony Davis has. Jokic is a phenomenal player, probably the best player in the league, but defensively he's not Anthony Davis. And to think that Nurkic would be able to do to Jokic or to to Anthony Davis what he did to Jokic is just fool's gold because that's never going to happen. And expect that to happen. If we, when we match up against the Lakers later on in the season, do not expect Nurkic to be phenomenal. Like you just hope that he's going to be good. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like because it's a bad matchup for him. They need Drew Eubanks to be better because he's supposed to be the athletic one of the two to help out in these matchups, yeah. and he hasn't. He hasn't lived up to that billing. Size so wise, he he can't match up either. He's and that, like and that's nine. and that's the problem here. I think you need a a bigger, more athletic guy that that can, when Nurk can't play those guys, that you can turn to. That's and why you Biz, that. Biz was an, it was an mm-hmm. irritant for Anthony Davis. Uh, DeAndre Aiden uh, held up decently well against Anthony Davis uh, just because of the athleticism, nothing else. Uh, so it, it's it's a tough matchup for Nurk. Uh, you know, so hopefully we don't have to match up with them in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. That'll do it for us today. Oh, Brad Beal. Yeah, I mean, we can try if you guys we, would like. We don't to. have. We don't even have to play the video. We yeah, just I just. I'm not the, with the way that we started. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't no, we, really we, feeling too great <laughs> about trying to try that again. Issues. Yeah, you know what I mean. We could try though. Sham said that he's working his way back and that he could be back as soon as 
in the next 10 days, mm -hmm. right? So we're at about the three-week evaluation mark, which means that would be four, four and a half weeks from the initial injury that he'd be back uh, in. So that's that's what we're hearing. There's nothing definitive. Obviously, the Suns haven't haven't said anything, but supposedly he's he's getting closer. Yeah, and, and Shams did say that these situations are fluid. We know that very well mm -hmm. with the history with Beal's back injury just in the last couple of weeks. Um, so hopefully it's in that timeline, which would fit in with what Flex was saying uh, originally about he thinks it will be all together a four to six week timeline. Um, so that 10 days would be kind of right in the middle of that, but we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, at the very least, it sounds like he should be back by Christmas that would be nice. That would be a nice Christmas present. We finally get to see the big three, but we'll see. You know, yeah. you ever seen boxers um, when when they're like after training or whatever, and they they do like abuse training to where like they have like a stick and they just hit them in the abs multiple times to try and get them used to the punches that will be hitting their body. Mm -hmm. I hope they're doing that to Bradley Beal's back because <laughs> I want to make sure that he's good to go when he comes back. When he drops on the floor because he got fouled, I want to make sure that, oh, no. Is he going to be hurt again? Like, I want him to be 100% ready to go when he comes back. I don't need him going back out after two or three games because his back is tightened up again. Like, make sure he's 100% because right. yes. this game is just toying with my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. Well, and it's not good for him <laughs> physically either. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't think that it's fully 100% healed, re-aggravating it is not helping yeah. the situation. I'm going to take a wild guess and say flogging isn't allowed in the CBA. But, <laughs> but I agree with you. Let's you make know. sure he's actually 100%. Um, so. As far as Kevin Durant goes, so the Suns did not have practice today. We think they will likely have practice tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll be able to talk with them on Friday before the game. So hopefully between tomorrow and Friday, we'll get a good update on Bradley Beal and the reevaluation process because that is coming up on the exact three-week mark that they gave us initially. And then also hopefully an update on Kevin Durant and that ankle. He did talk last night about playing through it. He was obviously able to play through it, hit two big threes right after. Um, it's a matter of just how his body reacts afterwards, like we've seen it with Devin and other guys on this team where – you think it's fine, you play through it, and then the soreness, um, the travel irritates it a little too much, and they decide not to play in the next game. So. Listen, the Suns, they got a phenomenal training staff. What they need to invest in is somebody that is just going to stretch the shit. Invest in Stretch Lab, for crying out loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, stretch the shit out of these guys. Like, hamstrings, groins, backs. Like, let's go. Get this shit corrected. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's fine. Hopefully, he doesn't miss time. He did say after the game that he it felt like something he was going to feel tomorrow. So, like Lindsay was saying, we'll see how he responds. Hopefully, it doesn't swell up too much, yeah. uh, and he's not going to miss some time. He's thirty five. He feels everything tomorrow. That's just the <laughs> way it works. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep you posted with whatever we hear uh, tomorrow. We'll have a show for you at three o'clock as well. So, plan to come hang out with us then. And in the meantime, you can give the show a follow on social at phnx underscore sons. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Head over to our Twitter account if you want to watch my video freeze on your own time. Ahoy, hoy! <laughs> <laughs>